Good morning, family. How are you guys this morning? Good. You all right? Doing good? Thank you, Jake. Um, I, I appreciate Jake leading us this morning. I, as we were in worship, I just thought, you know, if there's... I'm going to move these. Um, if there's... You know, I think worship is a special place in our heart here at the Gospel Tab, and I feel like two things that God has done in worship for us that specifically get highlighted for me is sometimes we, like, go to battle in worship, and we declare who God is and, and what He's doing, and that's really good for our hearts, and, and then sometimes we lean back in the Father's love, and it's just really intimate times, and, and our hope as we, every time we get into worship environments, we just hope to encounter Jesus. That's all we're trying to do. So um, I think we, did, we got to do that this morning, so thank you. Um, I also want to thank you guys for your generosity. Uh, you saw the life uh, students up here, minus Micah, um, Izzy, Soriano Clark, and I will be going down with them this week. And um, like the generosity of this church was amazing for you guys, like providing for them. So give yourselves a hand for like how good and generous you've been. Um, I'll tell you this. I hate bake sales. I usually never want to do a bake sale. Maria said, like, why don't we do a bake sale? And I was like, no, they're terrible. You do all this work, you know, you bake in your kitchen and all this kind of stuff. And then everybody walks away with like 10 bucks once you split it with each other. And I can't stand it. Um, but, But first of all, other people baked things that weren't even going on the trip. So we had like all this extra stuff and we didn't have to make all that much stuff. And then you guys were like, oh, three brownies, $100. Here you go. All right. So it was great. Like generosity, like there was just an outpouring of generosity. Some people just were looking for an excuse to give things away. It was nice. Um, And so I just thank you guys for for that and uh, pray for us as we go down. Thank you for your prayers this morning. Um, we are going to get started with, uh, or continue on in our, in our series here on honor. And we come to this line in our value. I didn't actually put it on the screen, sorry. Um, there, there's this line in our value of honor that we champion and celebrate each other's callings and victories, okay? And I'm going to try this morning, the, the, the sermon title given to me was Championing Others' Callings. Everybody say Championing. That's a weird word. It's like not a good word. So I'll stumble over it a couple times. Um, But, you know, you can laugh every time I do. I'll try to say champion instead of that more often. But um, I I think it's a great value that we have here at the Gospel Tab that we champion and celebrate each other's callings and victory. So we're going to talk about what that looks like, and we're going to go a little bit on a biographical journey this morning. Anybody like reading biographies? Anybody? Biography readers? I really like reading biographies. I remember a lot of the stories of lives of people and um, and impactful things. So, this is going to be a biographical sermon, and I actually stole some candy from the kids' ministry because I have a question. This is a little attention grabber. You can get this bag of candy if you know who it is in the Bible or the other name for the guy that we call Joseph of Cyprus. Anybody? Joseph of Cyprus? He was a Levite. That's kind of off. That kind of throws you off, actually, because you think Old Testament, but it's not. It's New Testament. You might think of this guy as just being really encouraging. Barnabas. All right, who said it first? Somebody over here. All right. Tiffany. 
Oh, 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 that was a terrible throw. All right. Barnabas. All right. So we're going to talk about the life of Barnabas. Uh, and Tiffany, those were in my pocket, so you might want to let them cool off for a second. Sorry. Uh, I was sitting on them a second ago. I was like, oh, this is not good. So you could give them away, I don't, whatever you want to do. All right. Um, all right. So Barnabas was so encouraging that they didn't even call him by his name. They called him Barnabas because that means son of encouragement. So the only name we know him by is like in, he's an encourager. All right. And you may know a few things about Barnabas. I, I told Joel, we had a scripture, we have a scripture passage for, or a scripture reference for all of our values and all the different points. And this did not come up in the values. But when I looked at the scripture, I said, Joel, I really want to talk about something else. I want to talk about Barnabas instead of like this other passage. And he was like, he was all, all good with that. And when I thought about Barnabas, there was a couple things that came to mind about like championing the calling of other people. Um, but even as I, as I went a little bit further, there was even more that sort of popped up that like, I really feel like Barnabas is the epitome of somebody who champions the calling of others. Now, you may know some of these stories, you may not, so we're going to take a walk. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. You can get it on your device. You can watch it on the screen up here. Um, And as you get there, I just remember one other thing. If you're a youth, we're going to have a swimming party at my house in a couple weeks, okay? So there's going to be announcements about that, but I just, I forgot to put that into the announcements. I, I said I would say it at the start of my sermon, and then I forgot. So swimming party, Jordan House, after the combined service on the 17th. All right, more details later. So as, I, as we get into the story of Acts, this is the early church. Jesus has left. Pentecost happens. Um, so perfectly in the life of the church here, we've celebrated Easter and Pentecost. Now we're looking at the early church. And at the end of chapter 4, um, Barnabas comes on the scene here in verses 36 and 37. So I'm going to read it here. You can follow along. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, apostles, um, I almost said that, called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. What he did, he sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So you may be familiar with the early church here. This passage, passage is talking about the people were sharing all their possessions and giving it to the church. And Barnabas sticks out here as a positive example of this, as someone who sold some resources, his, this field, and gave the money to the apostles to do with whatever they want. And at first glance, this may not seem like a passage about being a champion for other people, But what I see here is critical in the life of Barnabas, because what I see is that he is not a hoarder of resources, okay? So he's super generous. He's giving things away. And if we're going to be people who champion the calling of other people, we can't be people who are always thinking of how we get more and how we hoard the things that we have, but we have to hold things with an open hand. And too often, churches and leaders are about like building their own thing such that they're thinking, well, how can I use those resources to accomplish my vision? And how does that person fit into my scheme? And I can use them to accomplish this so that I get my way. Um, but, But championing the calling of other people is the opposite of that. It means being willing to give resources and people away and to truly like lay them at the feet of Jesus and let, let him do with them as he pleases. Okay, so this is, so even though we don't know, like this isn't one of those stories where Barnabas is bringing somebody along, 
This shows us the heart of Barnabas and a very important characteristic. So throughout this sermon, I'm going to be just posing a couple questions that we're going to come back to um, at the end. But Letha, you can put that first question up there. My question is, like Barnabas, what do you have to give away to the other people who are maybe coming behind you or coming alongside of you, who are in the family? And these are things that God has given you. Maybe it's not a field. Maybe it's something else. But you have this to give away to others. And how can you hold that with an open hand? Okay? So now we're going to skip a little bit forward to chapter 9. Okay? So let me catch you up on what's happened. So some of you guys will know this, but there's a guy named Saul. And, and eventually he becomes Paul. Um, you can hold on to that. Don't put that scripture just up there yet because I want to get there first. So Saul is a, a bad dude. He is imprisoning people and uh, who are, are following Jesus. Um, he's killing people and he's going out finding Christians, rounding them up and taking them to jail. Uh, but you may Saul uh, has this crazy encounter with Jesus. Jesus speaks to him, reveals himself to him. He's actually blind for a couple days, and then God re- restores his sight, and he turns and follows Jesus instead of doing what he's doing. Now, you, um, you may know all of the rest of Paul's story, and you may not you know, feel this moment, but there's this moment in the early church where this all has happened to Saul, and then he comes around the believers in Jerusalem, and everybody's scared of him. Everybody's afraid. It's like, this dude was just killing people and rounding them up, and I don't know if I believe this story or not. I don't know if I can take this story at face value or if he's just trying to get his way inside again. And who is it that comes to the rescue but Barnabas? So in chapter 9, verses 26 through 28, now we can put it on the screen and we can read this. This says, when he, Paul, or Saul at at this point, came to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now, some of these people had probably heard the story about Saul, but they still were unwilling to, like, really give him a chance. And it took Barnabas, who was willing to, as Steve said, take a risk and take, kind of put his arm around Saul and say, hey, guys, like, listen, this dude, it, Jesus is doing something here. God, he's, he's been preaching fearlessly in the name of Jesus. You can trust that this story is real, but... It took Barnabas, like, actually including him into that group. And, you know, as I, as I thought about that and, and thought about how the church kind of goes nowadays, you know, I think we kind of love, we love to celebrate baptisms around here. We love when there is this, like, dramatic story of conversion and, like, you know, it's like every movie that's like rags to riches or, you know, like way down here to way up here. And it's an awesome story. Um, but oftentimes there's some of those, some of those folks in the church who they come to Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but they don't exactly fit into the structures of the church. They, they're kind of like outliers because, you know, they didn't, they didn't come from a traditional church background. And in the traditional church, we like things to fit, you know, neatly into our boxes. And we like 
people to, you know, kind of go with the status quo and not make things messy. And sometimes these situations are a little messy. I would imagine Saul's story to everybody was like a little bit messy. And sometimes it takes people who are willing to give that person a shot to come alongside of them and say, you know, like, I think you, I think God's doing something here. And I think more than just like hanging out on the edges, like you have a role to play in this body. You have a voice. You have something to say to us. And, and we need to pay attention. But it takes that person who already has the trust of the group to like bring them in and kind of vouch for that person and transfer that trust to that other person. And this was Barnabas in the story. And, you know, like maybe there's good reason people need to grow up in the faith. They need to, like, there's a time that it, that it takes to, to like, be molded into the, into the image of Jesus. But we need some of those people who will take a chance on folks who maybe lie around the edges of things and don't exactly fit, you know? Like, they don't fit our perfectly neat structures. And that's why, and we're going to get into this more later, that's why at the Gospel Tab, we've realized that, you know, like we need other structures to allow people to live into the call that God has given them. That's why there's the Greenhouse Network, and we'll get into like how we've restructured so that people can live into their calling. But my second question this morning is this, who can you take a chance on? Who is there that, you know, needs you to like put their, put your arm around them and vouch for them and bring your relational trust and, um, and help them include them into the group. All right. Next, uh, we go a little bit further in the life of Barnabas and now we can go over to chapter 11. All right. So if you're flipping, it's like a page over, or if you're watching, we'll go to the next screen. There is uh, a church. So the church started in Jerusalem and then there's persecution and they get scattered all over the place, okay? And there's some that take the gospel to another town called Antioch. And we've talked about the church in Antioch. It's a really diverse church because the people there didn't just tell uh, the Jews about Jesus. They started telling the Greeks about Jesus too. So it's branched out to another people group. And the leaders in Jerusalem say, we need to figure out what's going on over there. Make sure it's kosher. Yeah, you see what I did there? All right. Make sure everything's going okay. That's a dad joke. All right. Make sure everything is okay over here and, um, and just see what's going on. So who do they send? Barnabas. All right. Why not? Let's send the encourager. Okay. So like he's perfect for this. They could have said we're going to send like the judger, you know, like send the, make sure everything's good. But actually they, the good move. They send like the most encouraging guy they know and they say, go check it out see what's going on, and, uh, and, you know, tell us what's happening. So we read in uh, chapter 11, verse 19. This is a little bit of the story here. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And then one more. He was a good man, Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. 
So, perfect. They send the encourager. What does Barnabas do? He goes and he sees all this awesome stuff that God is doing. And he is, he's glad, it says. He rejoices with them. He's celebrating their victories. He's encouraging them. He doles out all this affirmation. And then the fruit of it all is a great number of people uh, come to the Lord. And um, I, I don't know about you, but when I see uh, groups of people or individuals who are venturing out to either just start in on their walk with Jesus or to start some new thing that they feel like Jesus is doing, they so desperately need people to come along and like identify, like, I see God doing something in you over here. Like, I can, I can rejoice with these things that God is doing in your life. Maybe it's, you know, simple things like saying, you know, like, I'm going to commit to praying for my neighbors. Maybe it's, I'm going to start a Bible study in my workplace. I'm going to start a missional community in my home. Or I'm going to go plant a church on the other side of Pittsburgh that we've seen with East McKeesport. And all of these people, I think about the Sherry's planting that church in East McKeesport. They need people who are willing to come alongside of them like Barnabas was and encourage them to speak life into, th- into what God is doing there and to, and to spur them on to more of it, to, to, um, to, to see like what God is doing among them and point it out to them. I think Barnabas is like perfect for this. And I want to say this, if you're on the other side of that, if you're like in the place of just starting to follow Jesus or just starting out in something new that you feel like God is calling you to do, you need to find some of those people like Barnabas to like speak into what's going on. So like, I just encourage you, find some Barnabases, find some like cheerleaders, some wise counsel that can identify what God is doing and encourage you along the way. So my next question naturally is, who can you encourage and rejoice with? Who can you notice what God is doing and just keep fueling that fire in their lives of what God is doing in them? The next couple verses, we see a really interesting story. This is actually the first one that I thought of when I thought of Barnabas, okay? So Barnabas, it says in verse 25 and 26, it says, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, let me give you the backstory. Saul's life has been kind of strange at this point. We don't get it all from Acts. We don't see it, the, the full picture. Saul is killing Christians, converts to Jesus, and then he has that situation in Jerusalem where Barnabas kind of has to say, hey, this guy's okay, like... You can, you can, you know, be around him, listen to him a little bit. And he's ministering there in Jerusalem for a little bit, but then people want to kill him. Um, not the church, but the religious leaders of the day want to kill Saul. So the apostles, like, get him out of the city, get him free from harm. And then Saul heads to Tarsus. And at this point, we don't know exactly the amount of years, but Saul has probably been in Tarsus for like seven to ten years. This is the guy that like wrote most of the New Testament. He's kind of laying low and he's hanging out in, in Tarsus. And, and, and Barnabas comes along. And I think this is so cool. I think Barnabas says, look, like Saul had something like deep on his life, like an anointing, a calling from the Lord. Like something is supposed to happen in his life. And 
probably there's good things happening with Saul over here. Like, we don't know. Like, he's probably, this is a time where the Lord is, like, growing him up and building his character and his competence and all the things that need to be there to carry the weight of the anointing that he has. But, but he's also sort of off to the side, and he's not, like, ministering to the, the greater body. And so Barnabas says, like, there's something about this guy. I'm going to go seek him out. And I'm going to bring him to the church in Antioch. And not just that, but what does it say? It says, for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. I just imagine this as Barnabas saying, like, I'm not only going to seek you out, but I'm going to, like, walk alongside of you for a year, like, straight. And we're just going to do ministry together. We're going to learn. You're going to learn from me. I'm probably going to learn from you. And because I see a calling on your life, and I want to call you up into that calling. So for a year, Barnabas and Paul are like a ministry team together. And after that year, um, oh, I'm sorry, there's a question. All right, sorry, I don't want to skip my question. Who can you call up to live into their calling? All right, sometimes this has to do with inviting somebody in. We talk about invitation and challenge. Sometimes it's like invite you in. Sometimes it's like challenging a little bit. It's like, hey, I see something in your life that's like, it could be developed a little bit. Like, I see this gift that God has given you, and I want you to like fully walk into that. So like, come alongside. Let's do this together for a little bit. So who can you call up to live into their calling? Now, Paul and Barnabas do ministry um, for a while together. They get sent to Jerusalem on a little like famine uh, project, actually. And then they come back to Antioch. But when they come back to Antioch, they bring along Barnabas's cousin, whose name is John Mark. Okay, so I don't we don't know why, but I can see here Barnabas kind of saying, hey, cousin, come along. Come like walk with us. You're the, you're the next guy I'm calling up. So they go back to Antioch. In Acts chapter 13, the believers are praying and they feel like the Holy Spirit says, send Paul and Barnabas out on this missionary journey. And who do they take with them on this missionary journey? But John Mark, okay? So again, it says in chapter 13, John Mark goes as their helper. And I can just see Barnabas here. He's like, this is the next guy I'm like bringing up in ministry, okay? Um, I'm, we're bringing John Mark along and he's going to learn some things. Now, unfortunately, John Mark leaves after a couple of stops on the journey, okay? So they go, they stop a couple places, and then it says that John Mark leaves and heads back to Jerusalem. All right, and then they continue on. They have all these crazy experiences. We've talked about some of these, actually, as we've preached through Acts. Like, Paul gets stoned, and he's probably dead, and they raise him back to life. And they're doing all these crazy things, exploits of ministry together. And then in Acts 15, they come back together in Jerusalem. So, Acts 15 is the, is the last spot I want to pick up in this story of Barnabas. If you're tired of the story of Barnabas, I'm sorry, but we're almost done with Barnabas because this is actually the last time he gets mentioned. Um, well, not his story gets mentioned in Acts, okay? So, so Acts 15, Paul, Paul is the apostle guy, okay? He's the pioneer. He's out there, and he's like, Barnabas, we got to go again. We got to go back out there. Got to strengthen the churches. Um, and, and so let's read here from Acts 15, verse 36, and let's see what happens. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. 
Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, that's John Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we have this story of Paul's like, let's go out again. Barnabas says, all right, but I want to take John Mark. I want to give John Mark another chance. All right, I'm willing to like let this guy come along again. Paul's like, no way. I'm like, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an apostle. I'm going and I'm not looking back. That guy's like dead weight. I'm not doing it. Now, apostles aren't always harsh, okay? They don't have to be. But Paul in this moment, he's like, we're going and I'm not taking that guy with me. Barnabas, probably in the fivefold, was more of a pastor, okay? He's like the most encouraging guy, like we said, and he is not only willing to give John Mark another chance, he says, he, not says, he is willing to, like, think about the relationship between Paul and Barnabas at this point. Like, all that they had been through. All right? Like, they've been ministry partners. Barnabas was like the first guy that wrapped his arm around him and said, yeah, come on. Like, let's do this together. Like, they've been through thick and thin. If you read Acts 13 and 14, like getting stoned to death and all these crazy stories. And it is on this thing that Barnabas says, you know what? I love you, Paul, but I really want this. I want to see this guy come along. Like, I, 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 I love being with you, but, like, I've got to give this guy another chance. And, and that was, there was such a strong disagreement that they part ways. And, you know, some people try to, like, figure out who was right, who was wrong. Oh, we don't hear more about Barnabas later, so it must be Paul was right. Or, so I don't think that's the point. Like, maybe even God was trying to multiply them, and this was what he had to do to multiply them and send them off in two teams instead of just one team, you know? So, like, maybe this was God's plan in some way, shape, or form, um, but they have this disagreement, and I just can't help but think, like, how much Barnabas's heart like was like I'm just willing like I'm willing to even give up this relationship with Paul like I'm willing I'm this is I'm holding this open-handed so that I can see God do something in the life of this other guy and um so so my question even for us this morning there's there's two questions that go along with this one but like who can we bring along in the mission and what do you do when things don't go right the first time or the second, or the third, or the fourth time, or any of those times. Like, what do we do when, like, this didn't pan out, and we have to give second, and third, and fourth chances? Like, sometimes God says, move on, but sometimes God says, be patient, be steadfast. Like, how have I been in your life? How patient have I been with you, right? Like, God is patient with us, so we can be patient with others, and, and we can be okay with the messiness of all that. And the good news is, in the story of John Mark, I want to tell you like how things finish. First of all, John Mark, according to church tradition, is the author of the gospel according to Mark. So, you know, I I think God would get his purposes accomplished anyway, but it's like because of Barnabas' willingness to bring John Mark along, we have another story about Jesus' life. Like John Mark kind of 
came into his calling. And then things with Paul turn around, and we see in two Paul, and Paul references John Mark in two places. In Colossians 4.10, he's telling the church at, Col- uh, at Colossae that like if John Mark comes to them, greet him and welcome him into the body. I don't know, maybe John Mark kind of got a reputation. This is the guy that like deserted Paul. Like he, may, I don't know. Like, but Paul is like, he's good people. If he comes to you, like treat him good. All right. So welcome him in. But even more tender than that, in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11, Paul is sitting in prison um, and he's kind of older in his uh, up in years. And he says this, only Luke is with me. Get Mark, this is John Mark, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. What a cool picture. That at the end of everything, Paul is wanting this guy to come and be an encouragement to him. Even though he left him so many years ago. All right? So we, I want to bring this home. I know we're getting close to 1130. I'm going to bring this home to a little bit of application. Um, I think there's two levels of this. There's a corporate level and an individual level. First of all, at the gospel tab, we believe that God has a calling on each and every one of our lives. And there's obvious things like, yeah, we're, we, we love God. We love people. We, we have this great commission to take, the, take Jesus everywhere, take the gospel, tell people about the gospel, the good news, to be missionaries, bear God's kingdom. But then there's these, there's these particular callings that God has in our life. Like, how does loving God and loving each other get worked out in you and my story? And it all looks different. We do a whole weekend on this called the Calling Lab, little plug, okay? And it's all about how God takes the experiences, the gifts, the possessions that he's given us and even the personality, even the way he's made us and works that out into how we specifically get to love God and love other people and how that looks in every one of our lives. Because we could all be concerned about the same thing, like loving God and loving people, but that's going to look different ways in our different lives. And I won't go into too many examples of that, but we want, like our job here at the Gospel Tab, one of our jobs amongst others, is to help people discover God's calling on your life and then live it out, okay? As a body, we want to champion the calling of all of us. Not that you fit into our vision and puzzle, but that we serve you to live out the calling that God has for you. So, if you feel like God's calling you to something, tell us about it. Like, that's what the lab was built for, um, to, to help people live into the calling of God. And that's why we created structures that don't have to be, not everybody has to plug into the ministry of Gospel Tabernacle. Like, you can and you should. It's a good place to be. You can serve here. You can be a part of things. But when, when, when the thing here ends, God is calling you out into the rest of your week to live on mission for Him. And He's probably going to do that in particular ways. And we want to support you in that. All right? Second, on another corporate note, and, and this is like, I feel like this is fresh. We had a good conversation the other night as a leadership team. You know, because we have this culture of championing, I've tried to stay away from that, others, and, and we have this culture of release and multiplication, it means that things at, at Gospel Tab are a little different, okay? What do I mean by that, all right? One, we multiply to another location. In large part, 
because we want to champion the call of this body to be present in another community. Like we feel like that's a call from God and we want to see that happen. So instead of staying here and getting bigger and bigger, we've said, hey, we're going to multiply and see what God does over here. All right. And we probably feel that in different ways here in this body, because instead of like it being packed on a Sunday morning, then we've lost you know, half of our people. And having to say goodbye to some, not goodbye, but having to say we won't see you as many times to friends, we sort of feel that, all right? Secondly, not just multiplying a new location, we're, we're giving away our lead pastor, all right? That's not normal, all right? Most churches, like, try to keep, like, something that God, like, try to just hold on to what God is doing, um, but mostly because we want to champion the call of God on Joel's life to, like, regional multiplication because we sense God doing something together as a body. We're willing to hold that with an open hand and say, like, okay. God will take care of this. Like, we support you, we encourage you, we launch you out so that you can follow the call of God on your life. And just like a newsflash here is we're just not following the trend of most churches in North America. Like, most churches in North America are like, oh, you got a good thing? Build it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it explodes. And everyone in Beaver County knows about the gospel tabernacle as this amazing busting at the seams like church, but instead we're like getting smaller and choosing to like siphon part of ourselves off over here and send that person away over there. And it just flies in the face of every cultural trend and like what we feel like is success. And I just want to say something. This could be a whole nother sermon. Joel might preach this sermon at some point. I don't know. But I want to suggest that it's okay to feel the anxiety of like change. Like, oh, this is different. Like, I miss what used to be. Or I wish, you know, things were like this. And how's this going to go? Like, I don't even know. All of those feelings are normal. And that's okay. Like, it's, it's human um, to feel those things. And there's nothing wrong with it. But the important thing is what we do with those feelings. Okay? So I just want to suggest that we need to name the things that make us feel anxious. And take those feelings to Jesus. And invite him into those spaces of our lives. And the good news is, no matter if the feelings go away or if they stay for a little while and we're still unsure, Jesus meets us in the spaces that we invite him into and he gives us his presence to walk through those things with us. So, you know, you can also find somebody in your life who's like not an anxious presence and can speak some peace to that. But more importantly than all of it, I think like find... Find those places to invite Jesus into the anxious feelings and see what God does in those spaces. All right. Now, those are corporate applications for today or corporate things I want to mention. But now, back to the story of Barnabas and how this applies to us individually, okay? At the Gospel tab, we want you to know what your calling is. But even if you don't fully have it all together yet, because none of us do, you still have a role to play in championing the calling of other people, okay? You still can come alongside of other people. Let's remember, let's remember these characteristics of Barnabas. He was generous with his stuff. He was willing to take a risk. He was full of encouragement. He rejoiced and celebrated. He both included people and challenged them a little bit. He brought people along in mission, and he was patient and steadfast when things didn't go right the first time. 
okay? And Barnabas, let me clue you in, is just a picture of Jesus and who Jesus is in our lives, okay? Jesus is all of those things. He's generous with his stuff. He took a risk on us. He went to the cross and he died for us. He filled us with all authority. He gave us resurrection power. He gave us his Holy Spirit to walk with us. He both includes us and challenges us out into the mission. And he is so patient with us when things don't go right the first time or the second or third or fourth. So as I asked some of those questions earlier, I don't know if you had time to let like certain names or faces come to your mind. I hope maybe some of them already did. I don't have super like easy to remember points today, but I want to finish with these questions. And what I want to do is I want to just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to bring some people to mind who, yeah, thank you, Jake, to bring some people to mind who um, we can have our eyes on and start doing some of these things that Barnabas did. So, um, and then whoever is closing can close however you want. Um, One interesting thing that I want to mention, like we're talking about Barnabas today, like I just thought it struck me. Who do we know more about, Paul or Barnabas? Obviously Paul. Like we know way more about Paul in the Bible. And that's an interesting part about being a champion for other people's callings because we actually want them to go further and higher than we ever did. And so Barnabas here, he has, he has great stuff written about him. But, but the, in, in, in Barnabas' wake is like Mark who's writing a gospel and Paul who's writing like half of the New Testament and doing all this stuff. And in, in some way, in shape or form, it's because of Barnabas being willing to, to come alongside those guys and call them up into what God wants for their lives. So pray with me. Close your, close your eyes. Bow your heads if you'd like. Jesus, thank you so much for how you do this in our lives. Thank you for the Barnabases among us. Thank you for the people who have spoken into our lives, God, especially when we needed it. Thank you for the words of invitation and challenge. Jesus, help us to be that to other people. Lord, even when it's hard, even when it requires more time, even when it requires shuffling our resources and shuffling our schedules, that we would do that for the love of the people that you put on our hearts. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now? As we ask these questions of ourselves, Lord, would you bring faces and people to mind? And would you lead us in the power of your spirit to love well and to champion well? Lord, show us who we can take a chance on. Show us who we can encourage and rejoice with. Show us who we can call up into their calling. Show us who we can bring along in the mission.
that the Lord is very pleased with the body. Um, and I just want to pray into that. So Jesus, we just offer up what you have given us to you. Lord, I pray it is a sweet incense to you. Um, and I pray a blessing over the anointing in this room. Jesus, I bless the encouragers, those who have walked uh, the marathon with people. Um, I bless the weary places in their hearts and their minds. God, renew their strength and renew their spirit. And let the pleasure of the Father fall over them in Jesus' name. And Jesus, I bless those who need the encourager. God, those who need to know your love and need to know your anointing that is over them, Lord, bring a Barnabas into their life in Jesus' name. Bring an encourager that speaks truth over them about their identity, about their purpose, and about where they are going, Jesus. Bring a Barnabas into the lives of those who need an encourager, Jesus. And I, breath, I bless the Pauls, <laughs> those who have gone out, those who have done the big thing, Lord Jesus. You have done a good thing. We feel it here. We feel all of those roles and the changes, Jesus. We feel those who have gone out from us. We feel the absence in our hearts, Lord. We feel those who have been here and just trudged along, Jesus, and encouraged. Um, gosh, it's such a hard feeling to feel um, what the kingdom is doing sometimes. Sometimes it feels confusing and there's grief. And Lord, I just invite your presence into that in Jesus' name into the grief and the anxiety um, and the peace of the Father knowing that your kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven and that these growing pains are a part of your kingdom. So Jesus, I bless the growing pains. I bless the grief in Jesus' name. And um, I just call up those who are calling up today. Um, it's something in John's sermon. I know there was a point in the sermon where my heart tweaked. Um, he spoke to something that Jesus wanted me to hear. If that was you, Lord, I just pray you give wisdom into those areas. Um, bring to mind those you are calling us to minister to. Bring to mind those you are calling us to seek out. God, um, you are doing a new thing, and we are ready and willing to step into it. In Jesus' name.